0: friends, welcome to episode 17 of Storyteller Conclave. This is a show all about helping you run the best tabletop role-playing game that you can. Whether you're a new storyteller or dungeon master learning the craft or an experienced storyteller looking to take a game to the next level. I am Sarah.
1: And I am Rob. It's another exciting, I guess, week of podcasting. So, um, oh, doubly exciting this week, though. Yeah, because we're going into world building.
0: Rob, what have we done?
1: I know, but we're stepping into it with like ginger toes, I guess you could say. That's true. That's true. So uh, we have uh, uh, no really exciting news. Um, We do have a uh, temporary engineer in because unfortunately Kate's out sick, and we're worried about you, Kate. No, we are. If you're listening, we hope you are doing well. So uh, this week uh, – We have Jessica we holding do, us We do have up. Jessica. So we're very happy to have Jessica here with us. Thanks. I'm happy to be doing your show. Thank you, Don't Jessica. All right. So, <laughs> all right. Actually, I've worked with Jessica before. We I had a uh, friend's show that I was on briefly and uh, showed up for an episode. And she was the engineer there and you did a wonderful job. So why, it was one of the reasons why we came, why I decided that we should come here and do this and <gasps> showed it all to Sarah. So you were one of the main reasons. I feel so. special.
0: We had yes. a happy little reunion out in, the, out in the waiting area and everything. It was great. It was great.
1: So how do you want to uh I'm not gonna say it because it might get yeah. picked off ideas. How do you wanna slice
0: how do you wanna slice this pie? <laughs> or cut this bacon?
1: Yeah. Or whatever. Uh
0: so. it was a it was a sick pig, it allegedly. Was, <laughs> allegedly. <laughs> anyway, um yeah, God. Uh, this is okay. So world building is is big because well, I know in the discussion, I mean,
1: even just before the show, yeah. we were talking about different ways of looking at it.
0: Yeah, I mean, we 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 had probably an hour long discussion just over dinner prior to yeah. the show here, uh, just about an, a couple aspects of world mm-hmm. building. Yeah, and I mean, it, I I've watched so many different videos on YouTube. There's a lot of great people who. Uh, out there talk about it and stuff Mm -hmm. like that. I mean, hours upon hours. And we've got
1: unbelievable influences. Everything from, like, we were talking about digital games, like, you talk about Silent Mm -hmm. Hill. Um, like it's the second coming of Jesus and storytelling, which is beautiful <laughs> to me. I, I love the passion that you bring off of it. Specifically
0: and so that, Silent Hill 2.
1: Well, there you go. Yes. You know, whereas like I'm pulling references from all kinds of stuff. Like we talked about Portal even. Mm-hmm. And so – and it's funny. I'm sure some of the people who are listening are like, why are we talking about digital games that don't that, – that, that the story is weird and the setting is small? Again, when we're talking about world building, we want to talk about it in the aspect that a world is where stories exist. Mm-hmm. So when we're talking about building a world, we're not talking about a physical scale. We're not even talking about an immense population or an epic long history or any of that. A world is merely where your stories are told. So just keep that in mind, whether it be tragedy, whether it be comedy, whether it be anything. The world is where that setting is whole. It's the giant fishbowl or the tiny fishbowl. But it needs to be crafted enough to be able to handle those things. Yep uh the
0: i think the, probably the the biggest thing you're looking for in crafting any any sort of world mm-hmm. and again we're using world in in terms of just the scope of your story right, so right. you know whatever whatever size fishbowl you're crafting here
1: mm-hmm.
0: um the main thing you're looking for is consistency
1: yes okay and, and consistency also includes logic we'll get to that consistency
0: means means logic but but i mean if, if you're gonna find one one north star one guiding point on the big topic no matter where you are in world building consistency should be it, okay? And it doesn't matter how big your world is. um, Basically, that all of your rules are consistent across the way, okay? So, like, if in your world that you're crafting, you know, eating a, a, a flower, a specific type of flower gives you magical powers, then... It must always give you magical powers. Right. If I go They're, pick
1: up a daisy, does it give you magical powers? Right. Or is it only one magical flower fruit thing that gives you that? Exactly. Then it has to only be that thing.
0: Exactly. It doesn't matter why. I mean it's a good reason – to it's a good idea to have a reason why. Right. But no, I mean you don't ever really need to explain why that particular flower does. No. Nope. But is it just needs to be an accepted fact in your world.
1: That that flower gives you magical powers. And you need period. to know once you know mm-hmm. that it's magical powers, okay, what does it grant? Exactly. Is it and temporary? Is it, is it
0: permanent? Yep. Is it
1: is it, you know, world altering, or is it just I can light a cigarette without a bick? Exactly. You know? And ro- you can always go back to the stories that don't make sense. Mm-hmm. Those moments when you've looked at something and been like, okay, why did that suddenly change? Say
0: it. Say it. Freaking- Invoke its name. I want to hear Overwatch Squirm from all the way here in the
1: studio. Metachlorians <laughs> I hate the word. I don't know why they did that. There was no good reason to say, oh, now we need to explain what what the force is in some scientific methodology because we have a kid.
0: They're the powerhouse of the cell. Oh, wait, no, that's mitochondria.
1: Yeah, see, now you've already done it to yourself. Yeah, yeah. It didn't make sense then. It really didn't. And it, it didn't make sense for why it was there. Like unobtainium. It was it had a great start point. Don't mm-hmm. get me wrong, but then they just started stacking reasons why they were getting it that didn't make sense. Mm-hmm. So you looked at that story, and you're like, okay, the rest of the story was fine, but why? Why did you guys do this? Yep. So anytime you've seen that in a story, think about why it doesn't make sense to you. It and it's probably because they added things to it, or its power changed, or something else, or like near the end of the, like, oh, what was I just oh uh, Shazam? Mm-hmm. I was watching like what's tar? What was terrible about Shazam? And the, the right at the beginning, I was like. Well, they called. You know, the the bad guy calls upon these, basically the four horsemen of the apocalypse, if you will, who come in at the end, and they have these like they can't be hit because they turn into like gas and just float away. And yet, at the very end of the story, they're able to be punched in the face. Mm-hmm. Like, are they gas? Did they suddenly lose those powers? Like, how, how is it suddenly like easy to take them out? Yeah. It you know consistency exactly exactly. If it doesn't make sense to you, don't do it. Like, right. don't do it.
0: All right. So. No, we got our, our 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 guiding rule, our and basics yeah. of, of 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 logic of you know things, making sure things make sense, making yeah. sure they they, they they fit together, and making sure that at the beginning of your story and at the end of your story, all of the all of your world building elements do the same
1: thing. Right. Just just keep that written down in your mind. How do you do it? Well, you can talk about what it isn't, and you can talk about what it is, but I think we need to talk more about. Trying to figure out the who, what, when, where, and why, and what that really means to creating it. Because you did a good job at dinner breaking that down. Yeah. And then I, I kind of layered something on top that blew your mind at the same time as made you be like, "I don't think so." So I want to let you run with your who, what, when, or why analogy because I I like it. All right. I all like right. I like the way your mind was going with
0: we'll that. We'll start we'll start there. All right. So uh, a couple of notes that I jotted down basically that in in world building you've got okay so you've got your five questions. Yeah. Your who, what, when, where, why? Everybody right. knows these questions. They're right. they're they're very basic. Um, your why is your story. Mm-hmm. Okay, so you don't need to answer that. Your your stories will answer the why. You'll understand why you're you're in that particular part of the world and why those things are functioning in that world. Um, at a later point, point. and That's,
1: to be understanding. The why isn't just taking the word why out of the equation. There's going to be whys all throughout There's this, but the overarching why. Right, right. The the big why. Why the world? Because of these players. All right. So, world
0: building, at least to me, and it, it's barest, most basic form. And keep in mind, everything we're saying tonight is bare and basic because this is such a huge topic. Okay. Yeah. But, world building 101. You're going to start with who, what, where, and when. Mm-hmm. All right. So, Let's break those down a little bit. Who? Who are the people in your world? The things, okay. The talk. So at this point, we're looking at um, essentially your sociology, mm-hmm. your anthropology, mm-hmm. okay. Um, your world is presumably populated, mm-hmm. okay. With who? Yep. Are there? Is this a is this a fantasy world? Um, if it is a fantasy world, do the people there? Uh, you know what? What's their technology level? Are there are factions? We, are we talking like Cro-Magnon? Are mm-hmm. we talking, you know, tribal and barbaric? Are we talking um, multi-races? You know, are are we talking like verging on steampunk? Sure. You know, uh, so okay, so how learned and you know, I, I suppose civilized, structured, mm-hmm. uh, technologically advanced are the people?
1: Um, does it vary from place to place? Yep. Are are there different peoples at different you know development levels in in your in your world? And to a a, a, a micro setting for the same thing, maybe your world is a high school, mm-hmm. and your whole story is going to occur in a high school. There are factions. You know, do you have your jocks? Do you have your geeks? Do you have your nerds? Exactly. How do they interact with each other? Are some of them rich? Are some of them poor? Is there an economy going through that school? You know, is there or are there drugs? You know, so who are those people. So again, your your players are still the same. It's it's still that same mentality of of factions, design, sociology. So keep that together in your head that it's it we're not talking about when we say world, mm-hmm. we're not necessarily talking about a giant scale planet right. necessarily. It's whatever your world is.
0: And keeping in mind too that, you know, a lot of the stuff uh, I believe, is rough sketches at first. Totally. You know, I mean, if you, you got an idea for for a people. You don't need to define their entire economic system down to the last coin. Just say, like, you know, hey, the, these group of people over here styled off of, say, maybe Central European uh, uh, descent um, with, you know, these one, two or three different, you know, mm-hmm. physical or dress characteristics. And they're at roughly this technology level. And they... They like a capitalist economy.
1: Yeah, okay, and
0: move on. Yeah, and move the hell on.
1: And you may you know? just say like, "What the, you know?" This other people is a wiped out race. There are very few of them left, and they're nocturnal, and they have black eyes, and they're feral.
0: And boom, yeah. And there, there's this other people over here who were wiped out at the same time. They're an offshoot, and they hang on to their religion very tightly because it's the last vestiges of their culture. There you Done. Go. Move Done. on. <laughs> move on. Um. So. Because what will happen is as you sketch out the rest of your world, mm-hmm. you'll start asking that last question.
1: Why? Just pause
0: the why for now. Right. And you'll start filling in a lot of those blanks as you move. All right. Where? where? <laughs> this is your land. This is where your story your your story presumably will take place.
1: This is the hill where everyone will die on. Yes.
0: <laughs> uh, so, again, if you're doing high school – What's the high school's name? Yeah. Uh, how big is it? What's the class size? What's, is it dirty? Uh, is, it, is it dirty? Is it upscale? Is it a private school, public school? Is it a specialized school? Is it like a trade school of some
1: sort? Do they live there?
0: Is it Professor Xavier's school for you know, gifted students exactly. or something? You know, I mean that's technically a school environment right there.
1: Yeah, you, and you may start asking yourself a, a few why questions in there but more along the lines of help to find like do the students live there? Mm -hmm. Well, if they don't, then obviously you're also going to have to expand that out to maybe a community a little bit, you know, something just beyond the walls of the school or maybe you set up a high wall in the school and the stories always take place between, you know, 8 a.m. and 3 p.m. And that's that's when Mm -hmm. your game runs and the game ends when the 3 p.m. bell finishes and the students go home. Yep. You know, so again, define it well, but it has to be consistent the story has to be that way i mean you could have seasons that's a totally different thing mm-hmm. you know and you can say you know that your your school exists in a magical entity where it may snow in july because it needs to for the spring fall the spring snow princess festival or it's set in australia <laughs>
0: exactly exactly <laughs> because leave me he... it's it, it confuses the heck out of me when the one australian friend i have on facebook <laughs> says it starts snowing. oh my god the temperatures have dropped so much and it's snowing and i'm like have you looked outside oh oh australia you're my Aussie friend, right? That's right.
1: That's right. So just remember that you come back to these things. These are the same things that you know animators go through mm-hmm. when they're building a new TV show. Yeah. You know, or or a writer goes. So you just have to be consistent, and there ha- you can make sense of it. Sure. Through your own methodology, but if the world is very small, you have a lot of control. The bigger the world. Mm, maybe the where starts having to have seasons, starts to have other pieces to it. So just keep that in mind as you're rolling through things.
0: Mm-hmm. And I would say keep keep two other things in mind. First off, that you only really need to define where your story is taking place, yes. um, first and foremost. If you know that you are going to be telling a story on the Sword Coast of Faerun or something like that, mm-hmm. then you don't need to draw the entire world. Right. You don't need to write that all down and get everything detailed. Just, Just – Start with the village right? that your story is going to start in. Define that. Define the countryside around it and maybe define a little bit about the, the country or nation or whatever you know, municipality that it takes place in just so you right. understand what the
1: laws are and who these people are beholden to on the greater scale. Okay, right. you may have other characters that come from other places, and at that time, mm-hmm. you can worry about those definitions.
0: But but don't be afraid to leave some mem- places on the uh, on the map blank. That's something uh, Dungeon World you, teaches us very much. So leave blank places places on the map yep. because you can fill that in. Sometimes your 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 players will hand you some really great stuff. Yep, uh, and you'll be able to incorporate some of that
1: world building in for you, and you know, at a minimum of work. That's right. I mean, it sounds funny because it's not intuitive to leave a b- blank spot on the paper. But you're not. Mm-hmm. And your players will never know it's a blank spot. Exactly. That's the key. Because that all not, comes it's out not, in the it's storytelling.
0: Not, it's, it's, it's like Schrodinger's map. Yeah. I mean, dead honest. It's it's not defined until it needs to be. Right. And so it's not a blank spot or a filled in spot until your players interact with it.
1: And that kind of goes back to what Chris was saying, who's probably listening, um, and back a few shows when he was on with us where he mm-hmm. says, you know, once they interact with it, write that shit down. Oh, yeah. And, and come up with it. But until that point, it's really not that important mm-hmm. to, to deal with. Don't don't let it go at your head. So
0: now the second thing I will bring up here, too, is um, don't be afraid to go a little crazy with this. Uh, if you really want to build a unique world, do it. Um, absolutely. If you want your skies to always be pink, if you want there to be floating islands or weird alien plants there or, you know, whatever, like, sure, Absolutely. Write that stuff in. Like, cool biomes are are like really defining in character. I, I would say you should probably just ask a few "why" questions if you are going to include something like like floating islands. Because I guarantee, if you say that there's a floating island, your players going to be like, "All right, why does the island float?" Right. You might want to have a quick answer for that. Yeah. But again, you can come up with any reason. It's your world, right? Right. You know.
1: And you can make those reasons very deep or pretty darn shallow.
0: It's filled with a crystal that is lighter than air. There you go. And at a certain point, it offsets the density of the island and you end up with that. All right.
1: Good enough. Yep. Um, All right. What? So what kind of powers, what assets interact with your world? Now, your players obviously do and they have things. Mm -hmm. But we're talking on a grander scale. We're talking about. Gods, supernatural forces, cosmology. Like, do you have a Mount Olympus and a bunch of gods literally sitting in a a pantheon? Or do you have them sitting just outside of the visible range in some kind of an ethereal space where they're allowed to only poke in where there are holes that exist, you Mm -hmm. know, or or gateways? Do they have their
0: own holes? realities floating around out there like little bubbles in in in, in space yeah you know I
1: mean, do you have werewolves do you have you know things that change do you have you know Eldric horrors that come out at night mm-hmm. you know out of the shadows themselves do you know you
0: have magic do you have yeah. you know and if you do have magic what what is it is yeah. it a gift from the gods mm-hmm. is it uh, a side effect of a drug yeah you know is I it mean,
1: figuring things out? Sure. You know, I just did some – I did some logic and wrote some things down and a little bit of math and boom. It's like physics. Yeah. Yep. I
0: drop this apple. It will always fall. I move my hand like this and say these words. I will always get a fireball.
1: Exactly. Exactly. Sometimes it's that simple. Mm -hmm. And again, you don't have to make it complex until it needs to be.
0: Right. And this is I think probably the biggest place where you start really getting into the logical consistency sort of rule. Okay, because when you start inventing things um, to add in that are your fantastical elements, your your what is your fantastical elements right. really? Your gods, your supernaturals, your magics, your aliens, your whatever's. Yeah. Um. This is really where you need to start thinking about. Okay, if vampires do exist in my world, mm-hmm. what actually are they? Right. Are they? Are they living dead? Are they someone who's just afflicted by a virus that makes them need to, you know, bestially feed on, on blood only? Right. Are they uh, perhaps some sort of eldritch creatures that have leaked in from between the worlds and just happen to be feral beasties with fangs that drink blood so we call them vampires?
1: Are they – Are they actually cancerous creatures? And that's why their bodies are immortal, is because they just keep reproducing every cell in their body, Mm -hmm. but because of that they require a ridiculous amount of nutrition and energy, Mm -hmm. and it doesn't matter what form it comes in, but blood seems to be a really good form to come in.
0: Exactly. So I mean and and that's just and that's just I mean skimming the top of what if vampires. Right. Okay. So the, the the lesson to pull away here is when you do start introducing these fantastical things, especially in the what category, right? Take the time to really ask yourself a couple of why questions. Mm. There are vampires, okay? We've established there are. Yep. Why? Where do they come from? What do they do? These sort of things, okay? Because these are the and and the answers that you come up with have to be consistent through your story. They were a CGI mishap. <laughs> You know, if 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 sunlight doesn't hurt them in Chapter 1, sunlight can't hurt them in Chapter 10. Right. You know, um, if, you're, if your gods are uh, aloof and don't interact in Chapter mm-hmm. 1 and that's the way it's always been, don't have them suddenly sending avatars willy-nilly down to talk, you know, personally with your party in Chapter 5. Unless there's
1: dire consequences. Like, or unless like, something has changed that rule. Yeah. Well, there was a really neat mm-hmm. – um, storytelling that I liked and I'd never read the book but I'm going to go in that and that's The Hogfather mm-hmm. and that's part of the uh Terry Pratchett series Love um Love which is fantastic and in that death is a character actually death walks around and he's got a granddaughter and she's amazing but one of the things that's involved in that story is these accountants that basically are managing the universe and they don't like the fact that there is free will, if you will, in, in creativity. And so they – play. They throughout this, without anyone's knowledge, they're attempting to kill off the Hogfather because by killing off the Hogfather, they can start a domino effect effectively. But they can't do it themselves. So, they, of course, they do what everyone does. They go and hire an assassin mm-hmm. because they can't directly interact, and that's made very specific. But you don't know why necessarily. Until the end of the story, where they do something stupid and directly interact. At which point, Death goes, "Now you're in my house. <laughs> like, <laughs> like up to this point, mm-hmm. you were doing just fine, but now you've stepped into my world, exactly. and I get to do something about it." And it was it was a neat uh, world rule that mm-hmm. was established. Like you know, other terrestrial creatures cannot fuck with things, but they they can influence, they can request. But they can't be directly involved. But the moment they're directly involved, at that point, they've gone too far. Yep. You know, they stepped one thing. Like, really, he was watching up to the point where, like, these creatures turned themselves into wolves, feral wolves, and were chasing down the hog father to kill it. And it's like, great, you're chasing it down. That's fantastic. Oh, look, he's going to get away. And now you're going to go and try and bite him. Okay. Right there. that's where you that mm-hmm. right. that's where you cross the and line. Now you have messed up. And that's I liked that rule.
0: but there's but but it's a rule. And it's a
1: consistent rule. Exactly. And Mm -hmm. that's the key there. And it made sense. At the end of the story, I'm like, what's going on here? And then they came out right out and said it. It was like death was like, oh, no, 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 no. You done screwed up. Right. You knew the rules. You knew what the screw up was going to be. Now I get to murder you and take you with me. Mm -hmm. And I thought that was beautiful. I thought that was good world building and good story drawing. So think about that when you're doing things. Oh, you know, set some hard rules, set some ancient rules. You know, Um, uh, another one was the – uh Lion the Witch of the Wardrobe series. Mm-hmm. Uh Aslan gets literally murdered. But he one of the old rules which he helped write was he sacrificed himself so, it's don't kind quote of a- to me the old magic, which exactly. I was there when it was written. And she kind of forgot about that. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> so, those kind of rules, as long as you've got stuff like that set in your book to the side and you know those rules, so that when it comes back around, your players are like, oh, crap, that's fantastic. And that's how you get yep. those feelings out of it. That's so how you get those feelings. Good good old magic, if you and, will.
0: And the cool thing about having those sort of rules is that your players will start using them. Mm-hmm. They'll whether figure they, out. Whether they know it or not, like uh, in 7th Sea, um, my character uh, knows nothing of the Fae. Nope. Um, however, she has a character in the party who does understand yeah. the Fae. And as a sorceress herself, she understands that magic is a thing. Mm-hmm. And so when she sees – uh, Enid interacting with her fae, right. she believes and she leans in. She goes, oh, that's her magic. OK. Yep. I see the kinship. It's not the same magic I'm using but I'm paying attention because yep. I want to know how that works. And then suddenly when we come across some fae creature that is uh, speaking in riddles to us in mm. the forest and essentially threatening us with, you know, with, with having trespassed into its into its sacred woods – I I, I have a spark of inspiration and I challenge it with a riddle in rhyme. Mm -hmm. And it smiles at me and says, oh, I see you know how to play the game. Yep, And we started that conversation over on a completely different foot.
1: Yes. It totally changed the whole makeup of that scene. Because there were rules for how the fae worked. And as a storyteller, I had very simple rules Mm -hmm. written down that didn't even include that, but that is part of the rule set. Like for that, in fact, in that specific encounter, it was very simple. He was a fae of the woods. His job was to protect the woods, and as long as the party didn't damage the woods or take anything from it, meaning if the trees had dropped wood, that's fine. It's Mm -hmm. it's on the ground, no big deal. But if you chop down a tree, exactly, you chop down a tree, you take some sap from a tree, you steal, you know, berries or fruit from bushes. You were his. Mm -hmm. That was it. Simple as that. He protects the woods. So anything beyond that was just fae rules. And fae rules are kind of gray in some areas. But the most thing is that there's a couple types of fae and he happened to be one of the types of hob that love riddles. They will always talk with riddles. And if somebody else is willing to play the game, they will play a game of riddles. They'll play it all night long. They'll Mm -hmm. play it until you go crazy. So it was really – it was a neat – thing that you had picked up from her and then started playing with and it worked out to your advantage. Yep. So, all because of consistent rules. There you go.
0: Yep. Okay, so the last thing we've got
1: is when. Yes. Now, when is a little bit tricky. I agree. I I don't I don't like when you said when I'm like yeah, it, how you, important is this? You're making
0: the face right yeah. now. You're making the the oh god, is this really a thing face?
1: Yeah. But it means less about when everything is happening and more about like, when are we right? When is, when are we in the world? Right. And that could be like, for instance, Seventh C has a good when, because mm-hmm. when, when, when you look at the book, it literally tells you at what point in history this book is referring to. Yep. It doesn't mean that you have to play that year. You could play a little earlier. You could play a little later. You know what's going on historically, mm-hmm. so you could kind of push the timeline either direction.
0: Yeah. Uh specifically uh like a, a, a adventure Tales of and this, uh adventure tells the AN Society. We talk about this this game uh pretty often, and that takes place in nineteen twenty eight. Or or thereabouts, yes. you know. But at least that era of of history, um, they kind of give you a range on it. But yeah. you know, there's there's certain technology that you're going to expect. Mm-hmm. There's certain characterizations you're going to expect. Mm-hmm. There's certain world events that are taking place during that time. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's, I mean, it's it's a it's a good starting place. Now, if you're crafting your own world, though, you start getting into a little bit of a mire.
1: And I think this is
0: why Rob is giving me stinky cat face right now
1: because I don't think it's stinky cat face so much as it's. I think knowing history is important. Yeah, it might be recent history mm-hmm. that's really important. Specific moments. Yeah, but and I and I think that's really where
0: it gets to because, um, much like a lot of world building aspects, uh, there's there's a tendency to think, "Oh God, I've got to write." You know, I've got to write the entire world. I've got to draw a map for the entire world. I have to define every city and every person and every economic system in every world. And when you get to the when, when you get to history. As an important part of the world, you think, oh, God, I've got to make 2,000 years worth of timeline and socioeconomic development. You don't.
1: No similarly. You don't. You don't need that.
0: We're going to give you the exact same advice that we gave you about everything else, and that is rough sketch of minus 50 years. Yeah. Something like that. Okay. Just what were the major events that led to this place
1: being in this state at the beginning of our story? And I mean, you may need to write the what I like to call the victor's history mm-hmm. so that it's what the players know. And you may need to add in some histor- historical references because of player background. Like a player might say, you know, um, I was a warrior in a great war. And you're like, okay, well, I really don't yeah. have any great wars that happened. But, but I, I could, could have one. Yeah, there's this so maybe, other
0: city I was kind of toying with writing in that doesn't really get along with this other city. Maybe that's the Great War. You know, yeah. maybe that went on a little little longer and a little more fervently than I than I had originally intended. Right.
1: Or they may ask you, Hey, my character wants to be a fighter in a great war. You know, or have this great victory, which mm-hmm. kind of we did with uh, the Tamriel. Uh, storyline that we're doing right now with yours and Elder mm-hmm. Scrolls because not all of us are familiar with Elder Scrolls. Sure. It's as much of a crafted world for you sure. for of yours than it is something we know. Mm-hmm. And it was easy for you to then look to the existing world history and say, oh, this would fit in well right here. Yeah, these
0: guys are these guys over here are always fighting and that yeah. happens to be the very race that you are. So exactly
1: exactly uh,
0: what, what you fought in was not a major war. It was a border skirmish, but you're in a constant state of border skirmish. Yeah.
1: Now, one of the things you put in when which I always when i see the word or i hear it is heart and that is prophecy oh writing prophecies into ends is is story we're getting into setting yes so i always say if you want to put a prophecy in now you're you're developing for a story you you're, you move beyond world building mm-hmm. you're starting to get into how does this affect my players directly you know I wouldn't write into the world about a sword of destiny necessarily no. unless it was in the setting for those players
0: yeah I, i'm i'm gonna I'm gonna give you one one minor um exception to that rule sure okay and that's something like excalibur. OK, that the entire nation knows that someday someone will come along or no, I'm sorry, not Excalibur, the sword and stone, sword and stone, sword and stone, know that someday somebody will come along and draw that sword from the stone and that man will be king. OK, now that you you might okay. just be taking place in that world you may that sword may never get drawn out of the stone i mean chekhov's gun says otherwise but you know it might just be a thing
1: that's see right there
0: but right you're, there. Get, but you're if, getting but you're getting but you're getting into a broader like sometimes prophecies are not laid down to like this character will do this thing
1: no, sometimes it's a little broader but at the but, same time if you're gonna put a sword in a stone in a player's campaign and make it important they're gonna wonder when that store sword is coming yeah, out of that the stone. sword
0: is in the stone in the first act someone should be king by the third act thank you yes
1: or the stone should be shattered and the sword should be missing by the third act or yes. whatever it needs to be there so again i think you're breaking your own rules by doing that
0: right but w- at, w- at what point then does your world become chekhov's gun okay if it's if you not say it's setting if you say that there's a volcano that uh sits you know that, that overlooks the entire the entire countryside Sure. does that does does Chekhov's gun say that that volcano has to erupt by the third act?
1: Did you create a prophecy about what happens when the volcano erupts? Because no. you did with the sword. Shut up. You could say – Okay, no, that's, no. That's a good point. You ready? Though. That's a good you point. You could say uh-huh. that uh, after the third great war, the war that conquered everyone, the winner of that war was Arthur. And his final act was mounting his sword into a stone that no one has been able to draw from. Boom. Done. Okay. I'm not creating prophecy. I'm saying this is the last time this sword will be used. Fair enough. Now, granted, that opens the door a little bit for a Chekhov's gun moment, but really what I'm doing is I'm setting what happened in the world and what ended it. Oh.
0: What you're doing is you're you're creating history for that sword. Correct. You're creating creating a cool landmark Mm -hmm. and you're creating a story for that landmark to give that landmark history. Exactly. Which feeds back into our win.
1: Correct. Now, Sarah put this all out and she did a beautiful job and I thought it was a really good way of of explaining it. I thought it was a great framing. But one of the things that kept coming back to me and this came to another conversation with someone else was that when does world building become setting for story? Like when do you – accidentally step down when, when have you gotten too close yeah because
0: you've said that a couple times yeah like, that, that that setting that's setting so let's yeah. let's
1: talk about that a little so for me i think it uh i think world building is you outlined it beautifully i think mm-hmm. you the steps that you put in are fantastic um and i would definitely like i would follow that as as kind of a, a soft guide for most of my world build but i think when you get to the point where you're starting to talk about what your players will be interacting with when you're getting too micro, when you're doing something that defines, um, I would say, like maybe even the uh, the framework upon which the players are in. For instance, I might say, "Hey, uh, this is a kingdom, uh, and it's ruled by this king, this family, uh, and this is the king. And there are, you know, it's a farming land, and it provides for this other." Uh, area over here, and there's a mining group here, and they mine this particular material, and that's what this kingdom is known for—is this material that makes like these special swords and armors, and they sell it to another kingdom, and they're getting invaded because somebody wants that shit. Right? Boom, mm-hmm. world built. But when I start talking about, you know, Ithrelli, who is the head of the mining camp in the northern northeast reach and the northeast reach is the name of the mining region you know that these these specific individuals work in now i'm getting to setting i'm getting close i'm defining who the players might you know who the players or characters might interact with and i'm saying I'm getting into the specifics of who they are. I'm defining around a story. Mm-hmm. I'm starting to figure that out. And I think when you start to hit that point, set that stuff to the side. Get back to your world building. Yep. Make sure you've got a solid world.
0: Yep. It's always good to write plot hooks into things. Yeah. Make a but, note of it. But that's not world building. Right.
1: That's because, where you're
0: starting to get into story telling now. Yeah.
1: And this is where this is where I I I separate those two. And this is the reason why is that a lot of us who are who've done story writing, who've done build world building, um, build a world. For a story. And that's great. That is a great way to go, especially if you're only building one story.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: But sometimes that gets a little long and you don't think about it. So, that a little later on, when your players are, I don't know, seven years into your campaign that came out of nowhere, you've got giant vacant holes in your world mm-hmm. because you weren't prepared for it, because your world wasn't really all there. And you started doing too many things by the seat of your pants. You never went back to your world and reframed things that were proper or wrote all the world notes that were important that you started changing because they drove off the map. Yep. And I think that's one of the things that that a lot of people run into trouble. We saw it in the forums when we were talking, when people were talking mm-hmm. that there are times like, "Hey, uh, one of my players is this special undead race because I gave a bunch of powers. How do I dial back those powers?" And you're like, "Well, did you ever set that up?" And the answer is no. So now you have to define why that happened, mm-hmm. and that that gets hard because now you've got a framework that you're that you weren't prepared for, and you have to remember. All the rules you pre-established, yep. all the things that you allowed. So the, your character – your players and characters that are playing in your world are going to be scientists experimenting on that world. They're going to find all the all the little edges. They're going to find the frames. They're going to push through those. And the moment that you didn't give them a frame is the moment that you, you've you now caused a problem. Yep. That they're going to push right past them and be like, well, you just told me that that works this way. Yep. Well, it can't work that way now. Why and that ruins their fun. They need you to. Be, they need to believe, and this this is the disbelief. They need to believe that you had that shit figured out. Yep. Yeah. you know it's
0: uh once again the illusion of free will. Yeah, is they 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 need to think that everything you do is is, is like you said written down, figured out, established. Yep. that there are hard rules for how everything works, and when you tell them why the thing they just tried didn't work. Yep. it needs to be believable. It's kind of and. It, again, it needs to be consistent. Yes. So when it doesn't work that time, it can't work later.
1: I mean, there's a reason why the, the Starship Enterprise had a giant deflector shield because it could do everything. Mm-hmm. Did anybody really notice that it could do everything? Probably about, oh, I don't know, seven years in. But it made sense that it did everything, mm-hmm. that it was just a deflector shield. But somehow it was – Creating positronic rays and eking Tachyon out pulses and, and – bur- Yeah, yeah. And it needed – anything it needed to do, it could do. Yet the warp drives could only do a couple of things. Go and Go, stop. Go, stop and explode. That was pretty <laughs> it, much it. And explode. And explode, and explode in <laughs> terrible, terrible ways. So it was – you when you define your world like a starship, you mm-hmm. need to know what are the limitations that it has. Yep. You know? Uh, the, you know, everyone would recognize if there was a whole new deck that didn't exist before. And then suddenly if, you know, Hey, you used to go down to deck nine and then walk into the, you know, the, the shuttle bay and suddenly you're on deck seven and able to walk into the shuttle bay. Uh, is the shuttle bay huge? Is there a different shuttle bay?
0: Yeah, are there more than one shuttle bay? I mean, yeah, exactly,
1: there's... exactly. Like where's the observation deck? Like how do you walk to the o- – so these are the things that are consistent for stories. You have to keep that same consistency. Mm-hmm. So it doesn't matter if you add things to your story. You just have to make sure you keep those notes in the world section to be able to go back to, mm-hmm. to be able to say, hey, it's – you know again – It's easy to do with a map. You look at a map. You write in a new thing on the map. That's where they went today. This is where this person exists. Make those notes and set them there. What's hard to say is the guy that they met there has a magical ring, Mm -hmm. and he was able to do these cool things with it. And so when your players are like, I don't know, four years in, and they're like, wait a second. Didn't Tumble have that magical ring? And they go back to see him. And he's missing, and they decide to hunt him down, and you're like, this has nothing to do with the story. You're like, ah, but he has that magical ring, and it's the only one we've ever seen mm-hmm. that can do those things. So I want to do those things. We're going to go kill that guy and steal his ring. <laughs> you know, you
0: could just ask him
1: for it. Exactly, but he's gone, and Damn, now you have to, to redefine what that means. Yeah. So I think that's where things get troubled is when you're in a story and you move beyond the page. You, you yeah. step over the map. You have to remember all the parts, and that's a challenging thing for a storyteller to it try is. and keep track of. It is. So. All right. <sighs> How do you feel about this? Well, I feel it's a good step. I think we're going to end up with some questions besides the ones we already have. Oh, definitely. I think there's um, – there,
0: I, I I see not, – not necessarily our near future, but I definitely see a uh, world-building part two episode.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Probably coming up. Yeah, I know next week you've got a different – Prog- a different yeah. one to go to, but we'll talk about that in a minute. We'll get there, yeah. yeah you want to do some questions? Sure, we've got a couple good questions. Some of them are questions within questions. We've got some great questions
0: on here actually. Yep. I, was, hey, I was excited I, about a couple of these, yeah.
1: And I threw veterans in there. I know it was late, but I still threw it in there. I thought it was good. I thought it was a good one. So,
0: go ahead. All right. So, we're going to start at the top. The Mad Elf asks uh, magic, psionics, high tech, superpowers, do you work effectively? Uh, sorry, how do you work effectively with the fantastical elements of game systems? Uh, what are your personal favorite systems and mechanics? Uh, what do you recommend for the new storyteller and/or the new player? That's a fine question. It's a it's a it's a pretty big question. Um,
1: Let's start at the beginning.
0: Okay, so how do you work effectively with the fantastical elements of game systems? Uh, I mean, I think from from a system standpoint, your game has to be balanced around them. Um, so Definitely. especially if you are creating your own world, mm-hmm. um, I, like a lot of a lot of settings. Like I mean, D anD D is all pretty kind of you know packed in and stuff like that. It's got its own defined spell list and stuff like that. But if you're creating stuff from scratch, um, just keep in mind that. Every fantastical tool you give, every magic wand solution you give the players Mm -hmm. is going to be used for exactly that.
1: Yeah, and sometimes – I mean realistically, there's a couple of systems that use fantastical elements perfectly fine because the game system isn't wrapped around them. It's not a combat game. Mm -hmm. So it's a game about – like for instance, there's one that I'm trying to remember the name of that uh, keeps eluding me, which is more of a social game because the game isn't about – these teen characters, it's basically teen titans. Sure. Except it's what happens after you finish off an enemy. It's oh, okay. what happens after you come back mm-hmm. and dealing with the social repercussions that, yeah, you're a teenager who has to go to school, or maybe you live in an orphanage, or maybe you're dealing with, you know, personal conflict at home, you know, yet you have super strength. What, you're just going to tear your dad apart? Mm-hmm. You know, you've got some psychological issues to manage there too. And that's what the game's really about. So yeah, you 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 are literally you feel no pain, you have super healing and uh you know uh and you know you're clairvoyant. Yet your father's a drunk and he beats you every night and you're a superhero. I got dark quick. Well, again, that's the story. Yeah. That that's what that system is. So, I think that um and I'm going to be careful here. Superpowers, high tech and magic are things that work well in any system as long as it's balanced. mm mm-hmm. Mhm. I am squarely against psionics.
0: <laughs> squarely against psionics because Only in because almost was... every single system, they have zero consequences.
1: And they're broken yeah. and they don't make sense. And they just, uh, I've never liked it. Even like in digital games, it doesn't make any sense. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I think that psionics has always been a, a terrible MacGuffin to throw into things because it yeah. was a, it's a reason why people and it never works that consistently. There's probably some Trinity fans
0: out there right now saying probably. shouting at you that you're wrong, sure. but I think that There's probably may, some
1: riffs people out there shouting at yeah, me.
0: Yeah, that that may be the only system I've ever seen do it moderately okay and Trinity's definitely my least favorite of the, the game systems.
1: Yeah. So, um but there are ways. I mean there's it, it all comes down to system really, I would say. So uh, what's, favorite? Your, what's your
0: what's your favorite? Yeah.
1: Mm. I like the magic systems in Seventh Sea the way they did them. Okay, because okay. they're different. They're they're based on nation, uh, and it comes from uh, in the game. It actually comes from the fact that those original members, of those nations, uh, the bloodlines made blood packs mm-hmm. with with basically demons, and that's how they got it. So they're they're very specific in their magics, yep. and so you can't cross magics. Mm-hmm. It's it's a system based, but they're. They're different. They're not your typical things. I think second edition made some changes that I wasn't happy about with those magics. So I kind of stick to my first edition ones. Uh, But I I thought they were cool. I thought it was a really cool system for it.
0: Uh, I'm going to say probably my my favorite system um, as far as an an extra sort of power set is uh, Ritual Magic. Mm. Um, I've seen a couple systems do it well. Mm-hmm. Uh, I I actually really liked for as little of this game, remarkably, as I got to play over the years. Uh, Mage of the Ascension, I think had a, oh my god, had a pr- it was a pretty elaborate system, and I think that's why I didn't get to play a lot of it because a lot of people were scared by the system.
1: If you if you like Mage of the Ascension and, and the magic within it, Chris should run you a game. He's he was the one who 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 made that seem cool. Uh-huh. And made it work and everybody else I've ever seen run it. Yeah. It's kind of eh. But he has such a, a mind for it and it is it is cool. It's very logical. The,
0: uh, the 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 second game system that I actually saw do remarkably well is actually the Dresden Files role-playing game. You've talked about that a few times. Uh, it's run off of the Fate system. Mm-hmm. Um, but they had a lot of rules specifically written for, uh, for the Dresden Files universe. And, uh, you know, a lot of it basically comes with like, OK, you if you want to do this, this, this thing, it comes with an astronomical target number to it. Mm-hmm. But if you're going to do it over the course of an hour rather than trying to do it off the cuff, then it lowers the target number. Yeah. Do you have candles? Lowers the target number. Do you have a sample of the target of the spell, like a lock of hair or something like yeah. that? Lowers the target number. And you do everything you possibly can okay. to try to build up to that, you know, lower that target number from a 10 to a 3. Right. You know, and then it's poultry. But it makes you leverage a lot of different skills for it, a lot of different things. And, and really think about what it is you're trying to do. Mm-hmm. And how that spell fits into the bigger game world, right? And and kind of about the correspondences of things and such nice. like that, you know. Nice. As, are, what color are your candles? Are they blue because you're trying to work water magic? You know that sort of thing,
1: right? So. And I think I think for somebody new, like mm-hmm. if we're going to talk about this from a perspective, like the last part of the question, if if I was recommending a storyteller, like for instance, maybe they were used to playing D anD D, and their group was like, "Hey, can we play superheroes? Like, what system would I grab, or what would I explain to them?" I would say, um, go for something fun and super heroic, where you're not at competition with your players. Let them have fun with it. Yeah, you know, make it. You know, honestly, grab Palladium, play Teenage Ninja Turtles and Super Spies, and just have fun with it. Go, go Seven C and make heroes or something like that. You know, you can do it with the Trinity system, but I think the more the system is embedded in with it, the the more that it's more like a combat balance. Um, I think you're gonna. I think you're gonna struggle as a uh, as a storyteller to get to know all the rules that your players might know.
0: I think for the for. For new for new players especially, um, finding a place to point – or a, a place to start with that is largely dependent upon finding that sweet spot between simple enough for a newbie to grasp mm-hmm. and not be intimidated by and not overly complex enough – or I should say structured enough that when they ask, what can I do with this? The answer isn't, oh, anything. Right. Because that's just as intimidating of an answer right? because you need a little bit of structure. You need a starting point at least. Yep. No, I agree with Um, both of those. One of the reasons I like D&D is because there is a wide variety of spell, Mm -hmm. a wide variety of spell casters and a wide variety of levels of spells. But each one of those spells is discreetly defined.
1: Yes. I and think that so helps a lot.
0: You you get a lot of variety, but at the same time, you get you get definitive spells that all do a very simple task. You know, in amongst themselves. Yeah.
1: So I would, if your players wanted something different, wanted to move away, I would say, find something simple that mm-hmm. you can work with, uh, and make sure that you're meeting their criteria. Yep. For the story. Yep. So, you know, Draven. Does your prep change when players begin to reach a level where they have access to things like teleport that allows them to literally go anywhere? If so, how? It has to. I think it has to. It has but to. at the same time, my prep would still be the same. It's, I say that my because my prep would be the same. I mean the, the process of prep would be the same, but the things I prep would be different. I might have – Oh, I agree with that. I agree with that. For me, it's the uh, – it, it's that I – I prepare for my players' transport. Mm -hmm. Like in my head, it's already there. So if my players can suddenly go – like in 7C, if my players can now use uh, fey pools and literally jump into water and end up in the fey realm at any time. We can do that? There's a power set for that.
0: Hey. Hey.
1: Um, (laughs) if If that's a thing, if that's going to happen, then – I just prepare a scene that works within that framework Mm -hmm. so that I – that the moment they step off into that realm, I can put them in a scene, negotiate something, and then sidestep to go, Okay, where are they going with this? Like where do I want them to go with this? And again, it's also the illusion that they're going where they want to go. Yep.
0: Uh, I would say uh, the only thing I can think of in in how your prep changes when your travel plans expand like Mm -hmm. that is that now instead of having to prep the two small villages that are all within a day's travel of where they currently are, Mm -hmm. I need to prep maybe the four different cities that I gave them the teleport keys to.
1: But I also think that it's part of talking to your players. Sure. Hey, where do you guys want to go? That's because that's the other. That's absolutely the other half. So I'm glad you so brought up. So if your players up. are if your players are shotgun players, where they're just gonna open, where you're like, okay, guys, welcome to the session. What are we doing today? I'm gonna say it. You're a bad DM. Yeah. You yeah. you you should have had a conversation with them the week before, saying, okay, guys, we have a story coming up next week. Um, are you guys gonna stick around? Because you just you did you know you wasted the beholder. And you've mm-hmm. left the dungeon, and you're you're back at the pub. Uh, what do you guys want to do? I don't know. Uh you know, do you, do you want me to give you some options next week, and then we'll go from there, mm-hmm. or do you guys want to go after this thing? So, you know, you should be laying those things out as a storyteller. Yeah.
0: yeah, that's something we've we've definitely gotten the habit of. I I hop on our channel in Discord, uh, uh devoted to our game, and yeah. I say, all right, guys, let's. Let's hear some meta discussion. Yeah. You know, you guys have just defeated this particular enemy. You've got this within reach, this within reach. Some of you were talking about going here. Where are you going? Yeah. And it's not It's not so that I can foil their plans because I know – because I, I, I've read some stuff online too where they're like, I don't know if that's a good thing to discuss it with the DM, you know, because I don't want them to be like ready for us and then like, you know, poo-poo on our plans. Right. Well, first off, if your DM is doing that, they're a bad DM. OK? It shouldn't
1: – really shouldn't
0: be player versus
1: DM. Be- you can have that style of game. You, you I will can. say, and if you are in, if you are in an antagonistic style of of storyteller, that is a style of storytelling. It's not that either one of us like. Mm-hmm. So I'm gonna say, let's not just shit oh, okay. on those people immediately. Okay, that,
0: that, that's fair. That's fair. If if you are looking for a collaborative storytelling experience, like what Rob and I favor, right, then you shh. Should collaborate. You, should, you should collaborate. You should collaborate, and that means between games too. Let's okay? just do this.
1: Stop, collaborate, and listen. <laughs> Your players will tell you where they want to go. Oh, goodness. That, that's the truth. Yeah. They'll tell you where they want to go. Now, on the other hand, if you've got a power in-game where you're like, oh, shit, we're at a situation, teleport, D&D, you have to set that shit up. Yeah. You have to have a distance to, that they can go to. There has to be – I mean all that stuff has to be laid out in the back. If yeah. they can literally teleport anywhere – you know a la blue guy from uh, The Watchmen, they're somewhere else. You you don't have... Okay, so uh, where do you teleport to? Uh, Middle of New York City. Boom. Okay, you're sitting in the middle of New York City. Okay, that's it. Boom. Ten minutes, the police will be here. Why? Because a guy just pulled a fire alarm six feet from you because you're giant and blue, Mm. you know? So I would say... If, you're, if your characters are at a point where they can literally go anywhere and you're talking about between stories, talk to them. Yep. If they can literally go anywhere in a story, then just be prepared that they're going to go somewhere random and they're aware that it's somewhere random and just yeah. set up your own rule set for that.
0: Now, the cool thing about teleports is typically you can only go to known locations. That's another uh, one. It may, makes it astronomically difficult to get to places you've never been before. But let's, you yeah. can pull it off, but you know, at least at least you should probably have some notes about it. Yeah.
1: All right, you got Overwatch.
0: Yeah. Uh, all right. So Overwatch asks: um, politics, history, ecology, culture. What? Uh, what's your Achilles' heel of world building, and what are some workarounds you've come up to get past it?
1: Uh, drawing maps. Mm. Straight up, my I am shitty at drawing world maps and ecology because I don't think enough about how big a scale of something is. So oh, I yeah, end yeah. up I end up making a continent that's you know that that's equivocally the size of texas yeah but it has jungles and desert and yep. huge mountain ranges and i'm like none of this makes sense to anybody who's really thinking about it at the same time it doesn't matter yeah uh, i'm worried about it that's me
0: it's it, it is arbitrary um and and i definitely do struggle with that a little bit um you know the distances on maps and you're like oh you get there in 3 days of of horse travel and you're like Oh wow, no, actually looking at this map, that should have been like a week and a half. But but it's boring to do long travel times, so Honestly it shouldn't matter. It shouldn't matter. And it, maps
1: suck. Yeah. But honestly, this my my way around it, I steal. I find somebody else's shit that's better than mine and mm-hmm. I use that. And whatever.
0: Yeah. Uh what I what I typically found was flow charts mm. as substitutes for maps. Ooh. Because the roads don't matter. No. The, the roads are literally just lines between hubs. Sure. Right?
1: Yeah. Flowchart. Object to object. Yep. That's solid. Yep, that's, that's, solid. That's,
0: that's that's how the map of the highlands in, uh, what's, in my Tamriel what's game yours, started off.
1: What's your Achilles heel?
0: My Achilles heel is uh, culture. Okay. Culture, definitely. Um, I've got a homebrew world that I've been toying with literally since high school, mm-hmm. and I've written it and, it and rewritten it and rewritten it and rewritten it, and it's always come out the most generic, Tolkien, boring... Welcome already, to society. It's already been done in every other literal D&D game
1: ever. Welcome to, welcome to society. It's just the shades of our own existence. Yep. Yep. And I, for some
0: reason, I cannot innovate beyond that. I cannot make an interesting culture that isn't – we're dwarves. We smith things.
1: I got our uh, show after this one. Hmm? Develop Developing the people of the world.
0: Yeah, We could, we could talk about that. We can that. start hacking that apart. It would be a learning experience for me. I'll Let's do be, it. Yeah. Let's do it. Yeah.
1: All right. Moving on. Techno. Okay, I hard? love I love this question, by the way. How weird is too weird? Is there a point where alien nature or setting can be off-putting? What are some good tips to identify touch tones as far as uh, ways to relate to the weird? Uh, first off, I'm going to say there is no too weird. But I do believe that there's a, there is a point where it's crossed. And that point is when your players feel uncomfortable. That they don't want to interact or they're uh, – if it is not – Pertinent to your story that they're uncomfortable with it, then you might have gone a little too far.
0: Yeah, yeah, I'll say that. Um, That's 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 a great answer. What I'll add is uh, the words suspension of disbelief. I agree. Um, So when you are sitting there, the entire describing all these scenes, the entire scene is taking place, the entire world is taking place in your imagination. Yes. Okay. The more stuff you hand them that they have to imagine that is not second nature to them, Okay, Mm -hmm. the sky is no longer blue. The grass is no longer green. Mm -hmm. Gravity no longer pulls down. These sort of things are going to stretch their imagination. Yes. At a certain point, too weird gets when it goes beyond their ability to logically imagine it and suspend their disbelief enough to be there. Right. Um and at that point I think that's when people start becoming uncomfortable when people start going okay this is just damn ridiculous yeah um at that point I would say it's definitely too weird mm-hmm. uh but yeah I would say limit the suspension of disbelief and this is kind of where your your logical consistencies come in the more you can define why that island is floating mm-hmm. the less they'll worry about it yeah and the less suspension of disbelief there'll need to be simply because.
1: Islands float here. That's what lodestone does to them. Right. Like, if you define the fact that there is a type of magic that can animate anything, mm-hmm. anything, it'll animate a box. It'll animate a chair. It'll animate. It'll animate a candle. Uh, and by animate, I mean various levels. From it is non sentient and it just wiggles around like yeah. a like grass, all the way out to it's a singing sword. Yeah, and it has an intelligence and it can tell you stories and it lives forever. Like, great. You now know about that. You've defined it. People are aware of it. And so suddenly skeletons don't seem so weird. You know? A mimic, a a chest that suddenly wants to eat you and put you inside of it does not seem weird Mm -hmm. because you're defining what that thing does and continues to want to do. So, yeah. Yeah.
0: All right, last question. We got to go quick. We Yeah, we're getting, uh, yeah,
1: yeah. We yeah. When building worlds, how beneficial do you find unique versions of the core world items, currency, hours in the day, months in the year? Uh, do you find the added flavor is worth the learning curve for your players? In all honesty, I've always found currency to be challenging no matter what the system is. Yeah, I – um, I think it's cool, but at the same time, like if I have to explain to my players over and over again that this country uses different currency than this country and the conversion rates are these things, I usually don't. Yeah. So and, – and hours in the day changing or the months in the year, unless it's relevant.
0: Yeah, yeah. I think, I think it's
1: I, it's good flavor in the exposition before yeah. and after a story. Like you do? Yeah. But other was, than that, I, I really giving, don't care.
0: I always give the date yeah. in, in Tamrielic calendar. But yeah. the even even the Tamrielic calendar is is just a reskin of our existing calendar. You know, we're yep. we're 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 the six the tier DOS, the sixth day of mid year yep, is yep. just Tuesday, the sixth of June. Yep. Like straight up, you know? So, um Yeah, yeah it's, if if it's if unless it's unless it's
1: relevant. I don't know. Okay. All right. So next week's topic, you're with Matt. Yeah. We're yeah. going to
0: have a special guest, Matthew. Uh, you all know him as the Mad Elf in uh, in, in our Discord server. And uh, we are going to be talking a little bit about uh, challenging emotional situations at the table and mm-hmm. kind of how to work through those and deal with them and stuff like
1: that. I so. wish you luck. I'll be throwing some questions your way.
0: Absolutely. I'm looking forward to them. All right, so uh, let's wrap up for the evening. Uh, you can find us on Twitter at st underscore conclave. We are also on Instagram, also us st underscore conclave, and on Discord. You can find the link; it's the pinned tweet on Twitter. Uh, you can also find that in the show note descriptions of any of our podcasts on the major networks.
1: We'd love to hear you on our Discord, answering, asking questions, and working through the stuff that our players do. We'd also like to thank our Patreon members, specifically Knox in a Box. Thank you so much and the rest of our members who help support us. Our intro music is Beyond the Warriors by Gooey Frog and our outro music is Only in the Footprints uh, in the Sand by Midair Machine both at freemusicarchive.org We record here at Podcast Detroit uh, and that's at podcastdetroit.com or at Podcast Detroit on Twitter Our Jessica is our engineer tonight Thank you so much My pleasure. And our we'd like to thank our families, Vicki, Sean and all of our friends who keep this going and keep us learning every time we get on one of these shows
0: and to uh to all of our listeners thank you we love you and good night